Welcome to the South Canaan Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. It is great to see everybody here. I was really, really concerned as all the news has been coming out about how many of our brothers and sisters we'd see today. Thank you all for being here and for your, your great faith um, in, uh, in coming out today. You know, this coronavirus, sometimes known as um, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, um, and full disclosure, I am not an epidemiologist, I am not an immunologist, I am not a doctor, I don't even play one on television, and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn last night. But this coronavirus thing, of course, is dominating the news. There's, given that there's no sports on, it's, it's even on ESPN and, and things like that. It's now been classified as a pandemic. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to give you the official version of that, but pan comes from a Latin word that means all, and the demic means that it's, it's, it's spreading. Okay, So it's spreading to all. In other words, it's, it's going around the world likely. So extreme actions are being taken by governments to, to contain the spread of the disease. Some countries are doing different things. Uh, some are more restrictive than others. Some states, some cities are banning um, uh, gatherings of people over certain numbers of people, 500, some 250, some even 100, I've heard. It's slowing the economy. It's driving the stock market down. It's part of the, uh, the political dialogue right now. It's affecting commerce, travel, entertainment, sports. You know it's a big deal when Americans close down entire seasons of sports. And as was mentioned earlier, on Friday, President Trump declared this crisis to be a national emergency. The primary concern is not really the sickness and death count, because I hear a lot of people talking about, well, the flu kills a whole lot more people than the coronavirus does, and la la la, uh, numbers of people. It's the potential devastation. If this thing continues to ramp up, it will kill a lot more people than it has currently. If. A lot of com comparisons are being made to the influenza pandemic that struck in 1918, also called the Spanish flu. It affected one-third of the world's population. One-third of the world's population had it in one form or another. It killed 50 million people. One-third of the world's population today would be two and a half billion people. The potential for this to become a, an even bigger deal from a, from a health perspective and then an economic perspective as well is the reason for the governmental responses that we have and why they're so dramatic. Now, you may say, well, this country overreacted, this country's underreacting. Uh, you can say that this country's political response has been coordinated and this one has been very disjointed. They're all over the map. And I'm not here to defend or to criticize any of those governmental responses. In fact, I think as Christians, we need to be praying for our leaders. Some of you in the room are leaders of your organizations in one way or another, and you have difficult decisions to make. I have difficult decisions to make for my team. My team of 10 or 11 people that I lead, 
I'm making real life decisions. I had to make some yesterday about this person was affected by uh, or was around a person that has the no kidding flu. What do we do? What do we do with clients coming in the door? Do we say, no, you can't come in? By the way, I'm, I'm thankful that the Moyer family is here uh, this morning. They're normally at the VA conducting worship services there. They're not there because the VA has said, don't come in. Visitors, thank you, but no thank you. Some of you have relatives in nursing homes. They're saying, don't come in unless they're dying. I'm not criticizing any of those decisions. What I'm here to talk about is what should our response be as individuals, as families, and, and the, 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 the organizations, small or large, that we lead or influence. You see, the Bible has a lot to say about plagues. And we can draw counsel from the Word of God as to how we should respond to this current situation. Right here, right now. As Christians, what should we personally do about this current crisis? Well, the first thing, I believe, is to exercise prudence and common sense. When Satan tempted Jesus to jump off of the temple, he literally took him to the top of the temple and tempted him, saying, throw yourself down, and won't the angels catch you? Paraphrasing there. What was Jesus' response? Well, he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's what he said in Luke 4. He's quoting Deuteronomy. You see, to force God's hand by doing something so foolish as to tempt or test God is wrong. The moment that we do something to prove God, then we are proving that we're not sure of Him. Trust never employs tricks to find out whether the one that's being trusted is trustworthy. It doesn't lay traps in front of someone's way in order to see if they're trustworthy or not. It's one thing to take a bold step of faith in obedience to God, and it's another to initiate some action for our own purposes as Satan suggested. Hey, throw yourself off. He said, don't tempt God. So let me give you an example of tempting God. There was a certain NBA player was in town. His name is Rudy Gobert. And you know what he was doing? Touching stuff on purpose. This can't get me. Literally, he said that. He was at a press conference and he was touching the microphone and touching everybody's stuff. And he got COVID-19. I'm not saying that God punished him. I'm not saying that that was some kind of a a retribution or, or karma. I'm saying don't be dumb and don't tempt God. Israel came out of Egypt. They were in Kadesh Barnea, the very southern end of, of Israel. And in Numbers 13, God had given them the land and they were told to possess it. So they were there on the edge. They sent spies into the land and, the, and they came back, and Caleb and Joshua said they should obey God and boldly enter Canaan. Doing that would have been an act of faith because God had told them to do it and promised to be with him, uh, with them. But it was an act of unbelief when Israel decided not to trust God and then not do what God 
told them to do. Oh, no, 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 we can't do that. We, we, they're, they're giants. They're, um, we, we can't defeat them. And you've got all of these different peoples that, that we can't go up against. In John chapter 8, the Jews picked up stones to throw at Jesus to kill him. If you've ever been to Israel, you know that picking up stones would be a very natural thing to do because they're everywhere. Little, big, they're, all, they're everywhere. It'd be easy to, it, it's, I, don't know, it'd be, I don't know what it would be akin to uh, around here, but it would you just pick up something anywhere you can throw a rock and, and kill somebody. That's what they did, or they wanted to do with Jesus. But Jesus' response was very interesting. Jesus could have worked a miracle. He could have paralyzed those people. He could have struck them all dead. He, he could have done any number of things, frozen time. But what did he do? John chapter 8 says that he slipped through the crowd and got away in verse 59. He hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. He did the prudent and common sense thing, he got out of there. We see something similar in Paul's life. The authorities were trying to arrest him. We see in 2 Corinthians 11 that he did something very practical in a conversation about humility there in 2 Corinthians 11. He told the story about how he escaped arrest. In verse 33, he said, But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. The authority there. God could have done something way more impressive. He could have, again, struck them dead, paralyzed them, frozen time, made it dark all of a sudden. He could have done all kinds of things. But no, Paul was let down in a basket through a hole in the wall and he got away. He did the practical thing available to him. My point is this. In the absence of some divine command to do something, which we do have, we simply act with prudence. We don't act with presumption. Presumption is really pride. And faith, though, acts in humble obedience. We're not going to beat this thing on our own. And when I say beat this thing right this minute, I'm talking about this current virus. But beat this thing in the future, brothers and sisters, may be some direct attack on the church. It may be some direct attack on our ability to worship. It may become illegal for us to worship at some point in time for some reason that we can't even predict right now. It may be some direct effect on your family. Something is going to affect our faith. Something is going to affect our ability to conduct normal business. What are Christians to do? Act as our Savior did, prudently, wisely. Act as the Apostle Paul did, prudently, wisely. Do what God tells you to do, as Israel did not. In fact, if you go on and you look in Numbers chapter 14, they, they were told, hey, you're not going to go in, into this promised land. And then they started to, to go in. God told them not to at that point, and, but they did it on their own initiative. And in Numbers chapter 14, 39 through 45, there was a disaster that happened. I'm not going to take time to read that right now. But Numbers chapter 14, um, 
they, they, they said, we're afraid, we're afraid to go in. God then told them, well, you're not going to. Then later they said they were going to, and they were acting presumptuous. But, but you told us to before, wait a minute, you denied the ability to go in at that time. So what are some practical things that we can do in this current pandemic? This is not a complete list. Not a complete list. But here's some things. Wash your hands. Gentlemen, I saw some of you in the restroom and you did not wash your hands this morning. I don't know if you remember or not, but I saw you. Wash your hands. This is not hard. And as the meme that's going around on Facebook says, I'm amazed by the people that have this epiphany about hand washing, that all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's a miracle. It is not a miracle. It is science. Literally, it's science. Soap and water does a better job of destroying the membrane around the virus than does hand sanitizer. Wash your children's hands. See them going in and out without washing their hands. And it's not just about the bathroom. It's about in general. And dry your hands well. Come out of the bathroom, their hands are all, oh, sorry, I just washed my hands. Wait a minute. Avoid touching your face. Three, two, one. I, I, I counted five of you that touched your face right there. I understand it's a habit. I understand my face is itching right off of my face right now. I get that. I, I so badly want to just, you know. Clean your phones. Clean your tablets. Clean your keyboards. Clean your steering wheels. Clean your door handles. Is any of this above and beyond abnormal? Am I, there is no list. of. There's nothing on this list that says anything about toilet paper. Nothing about toilet paper. Nothing about hoarding anything. And by the way, it doesn't take one person going in the store and cleaning off the shelves to create a shortage. It takes every one of us buying just a little more than we might need, and you wipe out the shelves. Okay? Walmart is closing overnight in some places because they're normally 24 hours so they can have enough time to stock the shelves. Kroger stores, the grocery store down in Texas, is adding staff just to stock shelves. Thankfully, uh, Amazon has... Uh, stopped putting up postings for toilet paper and, and hand sanitizer, which is going to sink the boat of those people that have garages full of it now and they thought they were going to profit from it. I hope they have it until the Lord comes back. Stay home from church. Stay home from work if you feel bad. If you're snotty... Oh, it's not. It, it's just allergies. Hey, stay home. This is not rocket surgery. You can do this, okay? What not to do? Well, don't presume that Christians won't be affected by this. The presumption that, hey, we're a member of the Lord's church. We're, we're one of, of God's kids. This is, we're not going to have to deal with any of this. Belonging to God does not exempt us from the human experience. 
Remember that we live in a fallen world. Remember that things happen to people that we know and love, and it happens to us. Sometimes we get sick, and we get sick really badly. Belonging to God does not mean that God is going to take away all problems, health, financial, etc. God will take care of us as we trust and obey Him, but we are still in mortal bodies. There is a 100% mortality the day you are, di- you, you are born. All of us will die unless the Lord comes back first. But we're, being, we're looking forward to being clothed with a glorified body. It was mentioned this morning, Romans chapter 8, verse number 23, that we are groaning along with the rest of creation. The other extreme to avoid is panic. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. But for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Do you have a sound mind in all of this? Are there those that are around you that do not have a sound mind that you can help? And I don't mean crazy. I don't, I don't mean insane or some kind of mental illness. That is happening. That is absolutely happening. We have people that are having psychotic breaks because of this. Can you be a light for those people around you? A, a beacon of hope for those around you? We listened this morning to the reading that Corbin gave us out of Psalm chapter 27. That was David's confidence. Now, what was it that was chasing David? It was not a virus. It was King Saul and his army was chasing David and his little band of of followers. Looking to kill him, looking to find him wherever they could. So, I mean, think about, I don't know, the FBI and the CIA coming to find you. And he said, I trust in God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. Uh, Let's start at verse 1. Isaiah 26 and 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. For he brings down those who dwell on high, the lofty city. He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He brings it down to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, the feet of the poor and the, and, the, and the steps of the needy. You see, we don't have to react to these things the way the world reacts. We don't have to have the spirit of fear, as Paul told Timothy, but a spirit of peace and of a sound mind. God is with us. Christians are to look to God as our source 
and our protection. Are you looking for the CDC to protect you? Oh, no, it's the WHO that's going to protect you. Oh, no, no, it's DHS that's going to protect you. I can go on with three-letter acronyms. And there are things they can do to help. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not denigrating at all the work that those men and women are doing. It's not easy work. It's not easy. The decisions they're having to make, the allocation of resources is not an easy job. But if that's the only thing that we're putting our trust and confidence in, we are missing such a tremendous blessing of being a Christian. Seeking the Lord. Every crisis is a call to seek God. Now some have said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Some are attributing that to President Obama. Some attribute that to Ron Emanuel. Some attribute that to Winston Churchill. Um, it's, it's been attributed to all kinds of people. I don't know who said it first. But the, the idea is actually fairly sound. And that is, every crisis is a call for us to seek God. Whether it is a global pandemic or whether it is a crisis in your life at the moment, events sometimes happen as a wake-up call. They can serve as a wake-up call for us today. Israel was God's chosen people. But at times in their history, they would become very, very slack in their service to Him. They would take His goodness and His patience for granted. And sometimes they would even fall into idolatry. And, and rather than, than wiping them out for their disobedience, God would send them enough trouble to get their attention. So, Jerusalem was captured by Babylon in about 586, 590 B.C., something like that, in 2 Kings 25. But there were, there were other attacks that should have served as warnings. About 11 years before that, Jerusalem was attacked and King Jehoiachin was taken captive uh, in 2 Kings 24. Eight years prior to that, there, Babylon attacked and took away captives. Daniel was part of that captivity. And in between those events was time to repent. God gave enough of a crisis to get their attention and give them opportunity to seek Him and get things right, but Israel failed to seek those opportunities. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that these things were written for what? For what purpose? Our admonition. We look at the history of Israel. Let me say I tend to look at the history of Israel and go, those dumb bunnies, what, what were they thinking? And God looks at me and goes, you dumb bunny. It's an old saying my grandma used to say. I think my mother picked it up. I carried it on, I guess. You dumb bunny, look at what happened with Israel. They were given opportunities. Did you not see what was happening? Oh, but this is totally different. This is totally different. This is not... Babylon coming to attack us? Of course it's not. It's something different. But it's the same. We have an opportunity. And here's the really sad part. Not every single person in Israel fell into idolatry. I'm convinced of it. Not every single person bowed down to the Baals and, to, and, and, and worshipped the Asherah poles. Not every one of them did what God told them not to. But you know what? They were swept up into captivity anyway. 
they were carried away. It affected all of them. But not me. I didn't do it. One of my greatest concerns about all of this that's going on right now, from the political turmoil to now this, this um, crisis with the, uh, the virus, is that we will respond to this with all of our resources but fail to seek the Lord. You see, it's one thing to have confidence trusting in the Lord it's another thing to pridefully think that we can handle this matter because of our great scientific experience and our great scientific knowledge. Yes, today is a national day of prayer, and I hope that today you spend some time in prayer. You know those 20 seconds of singing happy birthday twice? Pray as you're washing your hands. We should be praying for God's wisdom and His protection. Solomon would say, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, all three. They are distinct, and we need all three. We should look to the Lord for victory, and don't assume that we can handle it without Him. Look, in, in, in 1918, the world was boasting about its, its scientific advancements. In fact, in 1898, the U.S. Patent Office came within one vote of being closed. You know why? Because everything that had been invented, uh, could be invented, had been invented. Congress came within one vote of closing the Patent Office. There is nothing else that we can invent. Before the internal combustion engine, before the jet engine, before thousands and millions of other ideas that came about after that, because we do it all. In 1912, they launched a ship that could not be sunk called the Titanic. We look back on our ancestors a hundred years ago and say, how foolish. And my grandma would say, you dumb bunny. In that era of, of seeming incon just invincibility, the world was hit with something they were not equipped to handle, and that was the Spanish flu or the 1918 pandemic. Solomon said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall in Proverbs 16. That principle holds true for nations just like it does for individuals. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles, if you will. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And verse number 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, this passage begins, though, with, with trouble uh, being at the door. And the music man, trouble, there's trouble in River City, they would say. In fact, go back and read verse 12 there in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, 
Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, I will hear their prayer from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There was a problem. In fact, the word that's translated pestilence there in verse 13 could be translated plague. What is the response that God is looking for? He's looking for us to humble ourselves. It may sound courageous to stand up in a crisis and say, we can do this. We've done it before, we'll do it again. That may sound courageous. If we do that with the same mindset that Caleb had when they were about to enter into the land, then it's a good thing. But Caleb added there in Numbers, he said, the Lord is with us. He said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And whether it's it's explicitly stated or not, we have to have that same mentality. If the Lord is with us, if we are in his will and in his word. In a crisis, we should be humbling ourselves, not boasting in our self-sufficiency. I got enough toilet paper, canned beans and bullets to last What is it that you're putting your faith in? What is it that your, that your hope resides in? You see, we have to seek the Lord. We have to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This was written to people who were under persecution. By the Romans, by the, the, the Jewish um, religious um, uh, powers that be, and they had their own police force, by the way. How weird would that be for the, for the church to have its own police force? But they, they did, in a sense. Um, they were attacked from all sides, and yet Paul says that. Through the, the urging of the Holy Spirit, he said, pray, give thanks, be anxious for nothing. What do you mean be anxious for nothing? There's a crisis going on. That's not what they said. That's not what they did. We're given the promise of peace if we'll do what? Pray with thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known to God. Speak to God out of our dependence on Him. You see, when the church forsakes her calling to be a house of prayer, when the church forsakes its calling to be a beacon of light. God doesn't promise that He'll support that when we go our own way, do our own thing. The early church is an example for us. When trouble came, they prayed. Daniel also exemplifies this. When, when trouble came, he prayed. He got his friends to pray with him. He prayed and, and, and God worked on his behalf. You see, I hope we do more than just put on masks and wash our hands. I hope that we seek the Lord for His solutions, whatever they may be. We need His wisdom. We need His guidance. We need His power to work on our behalf because we need to seek His face. You see, the danger is that we'll look through just human eyes you, you might even say humanistic eyes 
at this crisis. And compassion for those that are suffering has to be included in our response. No question about it. We have to be concerned about those that have it, young or old. And we have to resist the temptation to look at it and say, well, of course they got it. Look, they're 80 years old and they're sick. Well, okay. Or we have to look at it and say, well, of course they got it because they did something dumb, like the NBA player. I don't know how he contracted it, but he may have spread it as my point. We have to look at it and say, this is not a good thing for anyone. We can't leave God out of the picture. Perhaps this worldwide wake-up call is the opportunity of a lifetime. An opportunity for Christians to stand out from the rest of the world. Maybe that multitudes would turn and find Him, not just for temporary, temporal, personal, physical help, but for salvation. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What happens when the NBA comes back to play? The NHL and, in, and all the other um, uh, professional sports leagues come back to play and things go on like normal. The planes start flying again, the restaurants fill up, the concerts happen, and we forget about it. We've missed an opportunity just like Israel. You see, we can be a beacon of hope to bring healing and salvation to others. The message of Jesus. See, we also have to turn from our wicked ways. Now, your wicked ways may not be the same as my wicked ways, but they're all a departure from the commandments of God. You see, when God struck Egypt, with, with plagues, he wasn't just dealing with people. He was also striking at their gods. He demonstrated the weakness of their idols. Is this demonstrating the weakness of idols? Yes, it is. Those that are freaking out, there's memes uh, going around on social media. Hey, there's no sports on television, so I recognize that there's some woman in it sitting next to me on the couch. I think she's my wife. I kind of like her. It's a joke. It's, it's funny. It's like you're discovering your wife's here when you've been glued to the TV. How many of you are uh, March Madness widows normally this time of year? That they're watching all, however many games there are. Things are different right now. So is God striking at some of our idols? Maybe. The idols of sports, the idols of self-sufficiency, the idols of economic prosperity, no matter what, the idols of things going on just like they always have. The question is, will we trust in the Lord or are we going to jump out of 20-story windows? Sometimes God shakes things up to bring us back. In Amos chapter 4, and we're not going to take time to read it, run out of time. God worked to bring His people back to a right relationship with their Creator. And there was sadness in God's heart, if you read there in Amos chapter 4. 
about 6 through 12 or so. There was sadness as he repeats the word, words, yet you have not returned to me. I've done all these things and yet you've not returned to me. Some would say, oh, no, no, no. God would not do that. He's a good God. He would not do this because He's a good God. He does that because He's a good God. It's all designed to bring us into a right relationship with Him. Our eternal relationship with Him is far more important than your personal comfort. An eternal relationship with God is more important than you having food in your pantry or toilet paper in your bathroom. It's more important than your job. It's more important than anything. At the end of that reading in Amos chapter 4, or into that, that discussion there that the prophet had with Israel. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, God says, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Whoa. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought is, and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is His name. He is more powerful than the Federal Reserve. He is more powerful than any other organization. He's more powerful than this coronavirus. Finally, we should trust in the Lord as we bring us to a close. When we are walking in the light, we are surrounded by God's protection. That does not mean that we can't be affected by illness. It does not mean that we can't lose our jobs. It does not mean that things will, will, will not change. Some of you already have seen a little bit of a change. You've had conferences canceled. You've had things that you planned to do that have, that have been scrubbed. You, you, you can't do them. They're not going to happen. And it may continue. It may get worse. We've got vacations planned, travel that may not happen. But you know what? In Genesis chapter 50, it was a very terrible thing what uh, Joseph's brothers did to him, tricked him, caused him to be sold into slavery. Joseph had a rough, rough time. But in the end, Joseph could say to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Then he added, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Perhaps this is happening so that we can save many people through the Word of God. God is always seeking to save that which is lost. He's always seeking to guide us and mold us and bring us into right relationship with Him. You see, when we're in the center of God's will, there's nothing to fear. Listen to the assurance that we have in Psalm 91. Psalm 91 he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. 
His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Does he promise, does, do, do these words mean that we won't be affected by this? No. It's saying that you will not be separated from God. You will not be separated from the love of God there in, in Romans chapter 8. Paul talks about the same thing. We have assurance. He is able to shield us if we'll look to Him for protection. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 20. In closing, make sure that the blood of Christ is, is covering your sins. Make sure that you have surrendered your life to Him. Have you been obedient in baptism? Good. Are you walking in the light? Or are you resting on that promise but doing your own thing? Israel did the same thing. Hey, we're God's people. But they did their own thing. They walked away from the protection. They walked away from the promise. Don't walk away from it. Don't walk away now. Don't walk away in a week or two weeks or a month when this thing gets worse. When you're hearing that there are members of this congregation that are desperately ill, and brothers and sisters, that may happen. We don't know. There may be members of this very congregation that are here this morning that may die. I certainly hope not. But more importantly, I hope that your faith is not destroyed because of it. Don't let that happen. Trust Him to watch over you. Trust Him to empower you by His Spirit, and you can minister peace and healing to others. Be a light. Walk without fear. Trust in the Lord. If we can help you this morning by praying with you, praying for you, to support you in this walk, this very difficult time. I was talking to a friend of mine who last week spent time in L.A. and in South Dakota. He said the people in L.A. are absolutely freaking out. They are, everybody he came across was just freaking out about this. The people in South Dakota think it's all a hoax. It's all a hoax. I think in Oklahoma we're somewhere in the middle. There are now seven people confirmed with coronavirus in Oklahoma. Right this minute, seven people confirmed. There's more people that have it likely, but seven people. I'm not saying seven people is a large number or a small number. That's what it is. South Dakota, it's apparently zero. In L.A., I don't know what the number is. But the reaction of different people is all over the map. You may be thinking it's a hoax. You may be thinking it's the worst thing since the bubonic plague. I don't know. The point is, 
There are people around you that need you desperately. They need you as an example. They need you as a leader in their lives. If you need the support to be that leader for yourself, your family, your friends, your co-workers, let's pray together as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.